Sure Plan Financial advise business owners on all aspects of their financial planning, from protecting your income in the event of an accident, sickness or premature death, to ensuring that you plan for your future and achieve that dream retirement. For more information and to book a consultation, visit sureplan.ie. SurePlan Financial Limited, trading as SurePlan Financial, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Hello, I'm Trina Gunning, member of the club and on the committee helping to make the club as amazing as possible for you. Each week, I'll be talking to an amazing member of the club about their business, their journey with it and their thoughts on the club women's network. The club champions women in business and is a first and foremost a support and learning network, which means that there are plenty of opportunities for you to give as much as you receive within the club. If you would like to find out more, please go to theclubwomensnetwork.com or the Club Women's Network across all social media platforms. We would absolutely love to have you join us. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse podcast. I'm Trina Gunning and I am so excited to talk to today's guest. Catherine Dolphin Griffin has used her own personal experiences and determination, not only to support others, but also to steamroll a charity goal that has been simply inspirational. Thank you so much for being with me here today, Catherine. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I know you've had a busy week and we are going to talk about why it has been such a sensational week for you in a few minutes. But if you'd just like to introduce yourself and tell everybody about your business. Okay, good morning. Um, my name is Catherine. I'm a mum and teacher and wife down in Cork. Um, I, I started my charity fundraiser officially last January, but I wrote and self-published my book the year before um, while we were homeschooling and teaching online. Um, and then when that launched, I suppose I self-published it, then launched it as a fundraiser to raise money for the Irish Cancer Society and Marymount at the time. It was kind of one step at a time. I said, sure, look, if I raise 10 grand, that'll be great. And of course, 10 grand, there was, mm, I might raise 20 grand. I just kept building like that. But deep in my heart, I suppose I always had a goal of 100,000 because I knew what that meant. I wasn't going to give cash over. I knew I wanted to give products and I wanted to see mm-hmm. how these things would benefit the two charities that were so supportive to my dad and, and to me. So um, I, the, uh, Marymount needed two cars for the palliative care nurses. Um, they couldn't buy them during the pandemic. So I knew that would be kind of 50,000. So what I would do for one, I would do for the other. So I said I'd do the same then for um, for the Irish Cancer Society and that money went towards a PhD student salary because research is close to my heart because my dad died because the drug he needed didn't come online on time and I couldn't do anything about that and I suppose that's the subtitle of my book you know changing what we can accepting what we can't change Mm -hmm. and while I can change and couldn't change dad's fate I might be able to change it for somebody else and for my own children so Mm -hmm. that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's fantastic so your book is called Hope to Cope and it's very much it's a, it's a personal story about everything that you found helpful for you. Am I right in in going through everything yeah. you went through? Yeah, I suppose like a lot of people, we've all had experience of upset or heartache or trauma in our life, um, in our lives. And I suppose I was no different to anybody else. But I found as I was going through my traumas, I journaled a lot and I kind of thought, God, just wish this was out here for me you know someone that would give me tips or advice or someone that was in my shoes and I was never on social media so I didn't really realize that um that was something that I could 
actually do, you know, just log on and get support that way. So I suppose I felt very much alone with it. Um, yeah, even though I had loads of friends around me, we were all on different journeys. They hadn't gone through cancer. They hadn't, you know, their mom hadn't left when they were young. But we were very different in many respects. So I never found anyone that was on a similar journey to me. But it always bothered me that there might be other people out there in the wider yeah. world. So I suppose when I wanted to do something for charity, I didn't actually know what I wanted to do at the time. And then my husband said, well, you're always doodling in that notebook and you're always saying, you know, if you could fix it going forward for someone else or, or share something that you've learned to protect someone else or prevent someone else from suffering, isn't that what, you know, you're always saying you'd like to do? So I suppose then again, imposter syndrome, fear, God, who's going to listen to me spouting? I'm not a coach. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychologist. And then my husband said, you're not claiming to be, you're just claiming to be the girl next door who on the ground learned these strategies mm -hmm. and you're not talking out your bum, you know, you're, and I, I start every story with like what happened how I got through that challenge and all the strategies, what I wouldn't do, what I would do again or what I would do differently. And then the happy ending from every story, because every story did actually have a happy ending through mindset mm -hmm. and through um, resilience and through love uh, and passion. And yeah, so each story, and then I kind of really thought about it again. I thought maybe making it into some kind of a journal. So at the end of every chapter, you can journal what you learned and hold yourself accountable. And that's the mm. thoughts provoking page because I'm a devil when I read, I highlight, I tab, I turn yeah. down dog's ears. You couldn't pass on a book belong to me. It's actually <laughs> hacked. So I was like, well, maybe that might, you know, help yeah. people to do that. So everything that was kind of annoying me, I reversed it then. And then I gave a little bookmark because I said, you know, something again, I'm always moving bookmarks. And this bookmark then had the serenity prayer. So I felt as you're going through the book, you're reminding yourself that core value, that core rule, I suppose, that, you know, you can't change some things, mm -hmm. just some things, but there's always something within that thing that you can change. And uh -huh. I just thought that visual reminder on every page. So that's kind of where it, um, yeah. it came from, I really. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic idea because like there are books out there that, you know, would have lots of advice in them, but something that gives people um, something to practice in the moment <laughs> obviously will have a greater impact on them then um, I know throughout your journey of selling your book you have put yourself in a position in which you actually talk to people you are in you were in Duns nearly every weekend over the last year um, so did you find then that your your book was a way for people to say now I'm not alone but also let you know that you were right that you weren't alone Yes, 100 percent. And I say that, I mean, that's that's where I'm at now at the moment. Those stories I heard, I mean, I sold 8000 copies. I probably met 5000 people in that. Um, I was in Duns for every week for 52 weeks. I must have met two or three hundred people every Saturday. And it, it's strange when people come up and they what is this? And they're curious and they don't see like a logo that they're familiar with, you mm. know, like we say, an Irish cancer society. So it just my stand up very dreamy as well. I made it very pink and I had candles and you know, I always had a smile on my face and um, they were just drawn out of curiosity, I suppose, first. And then I'd say, oh, you know, I'm a teacher. This is just something I'm doing and I'm giving every penny away. And then they're, as I'm saying it, it's kind of dropping with me. The penny's dropping with me as well. Oh, that is actually a nice thing to do. You know, it, it, I was so caught, no, but I was so caught up on, you know, the hundred thousand and the, and the goal and the mission that, you know, I hadn't actually kind of, I suppose, self-praised or even took stock. And I'm slow mm. at processing that stuff. I really am. But when they share their story, and I, I often say to them, God, how did you trust me just to, 
And they said, well, when you open up, it's easy for us to open up. And people that would have read it then, like as the weeks went on, it got a little easier because people are coming up or they shout over, read your book, keep going, girl. They'd be shouting in the veg aisle to you or, you know, they'd throw you a few bob into the bowl or, yeah. And like they'd say, oh, how, how's your how's your stomach? How's your hearing? You know, mm-hmm. God, how do they? How do they know? And they're reading it, you know. <laughs> but they, I think because um, I laid myself bare in that book, I mean, I gave away, you know, stories about me wetting the bed as an anxious little child. Mm-hmm. I gave away, I gave away my dad's story. I mean, my my own brothers weren't aware of some parts of that story, you know, because for parts of his journey, being his next of kin, I was the only one allowed in to mm-hmm. hospital. So I suppose I didn't want to upset them either. But if I was doing this and I was doing it in honour of my dad, it was going to be me laid bare and you were going to get every bloody inch of me. You were going to get yeah. the passion. You were going to get the determination. You were going to get the truth. Um, and I felt that was the biggest um, benefit of it because people were like, God, I was like that. Or I felt like that as well. And a lot of people um, related to the world stopping when I describe, you know, the world stopping and the crashing noise in my ears and, mm. and just that underwater feeling. And people are talking to you and counselor, the, the consult team are talking to you and, all you're hearing is no hope. Mm-hmm. And that's a very scary place because I'm one that always believes there's hope. And now I know that hope is the last thing lost. And again, that's where the title of the book came from, you know, hope to cope, because we all hope every day we get up. Yeah. I hope the kids will be okay. I hope they'll be in school. They'll be okay in school today. I hope it doesn't rain. You know, mm-hmm. I hope this appointment goes okay for me. We're always throwing that word hope around and I actually got like four letters in Mr. Price, H-O-P-E, and just my husband glued them to a board. And I just stuck that on my stand and people were just, oh, hope. God, we could do a bit of that. And that was the icebreaker <laughs> on many occasions, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's so fantastic. So I think we should talk a little bit about <clears throat> your goal. So your goal was to raise 100,000 euro in one year. So you launched at World Cancer Day last year. And we okay. just had... We're, as we're recording this, World Cancer Day was three days ago? No, actually, World Cancer Day was February the 4th. Um, oh, February 4th. Yeah, yeah, where two days ago was Daffodil Day. So that's oh, why Daffodil I Day, it. apologies. Yeah, 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 no, you're fine. So I know in, the, in that year, you had that goal to raise that. So like you said, you bought two cars for Marymount Hospice. And yes. then you gave um, to the Irish Cancer Society another 50,000 for um, a PhD student. So I think it's a huge achievement that you have managed. And it blows my mind that you had a goal to do it in a year because I'm not sure how you even go, oh yeah, that'd be nice to do and then achieve it. But I think one of the things I know from having heard you talk at other thing, um, you know, events is that you very quickly realized you had to put on a business hat in order to achieve this. So. Let's start with the book. You decided to write a book, which you can do. You put the time in and you write it. But obviously this is going to be for charity. How did this book physically make it into the world? So I suppose I, when I went originally to look at a publishing company, I just couldn't afford it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I stopped for about an hour and then I thought, <laughs> hmm, maybe, maybe I could self-publish it. So I Googled, you know, I know it sounds stupid, but I actually Googled, do people self-publish or how do people self <laughs> my favorite part of that statement is that I stopped for an hour you didn't go away for a week you didn't put it in a drawer it was an hour and then you went right let's start again I love that well you see one of my coping strategies ironically is to clean out a drawer so I just go in clean out a drawer (laughs) or pull something apart and I go damn it yeah you know there must be another way and that's what I keep saying you know 
yeah, I couldn't do it that way. And actually none of this, no part of this journey was the usual route. It was total MacGyver the whole time. Mm -hmm. It really, really was, you know. But yeah, so I, I, I went back to the publishing company and I just said, would you be interested in training me or teaching me? And I met the most wonderful person, Heather Shields from Heather Shields Publishing. And she was like, yeah, we actually have um, a publishing course, but it takes a year. And she said, how far along were you in the book? And I said, um, just have loads of stories kind of gathered together. I'm kind of writing it away in my car. And she was like, what? And I'd say she thought this one, Jesus. <laughs> we often laugh after. She was like, when I heard you saying you were writing it in your car, <laughs> turn off the Zoom. <laughs> but the reason, I was in, the reason I was in the car was I was supposed to go to Australia to my friend's wedding. And that was cancelled because of the pandemic. And I thought, if I don't buy something nice for myself out of that money, I'm just going to put it into an electricity bill or something. So yeah. I said to my husband, you know, I think I'll buy an iPad. And he was like, okay. And I said, yeah, I'll buy an iPad. I can watch stuff. Because everyone in school is always talking about watching this, that, and the other, Netflix. And, you know, or I'm stuck in a cupboard, you know. So I, I, uh, I bought, bought an iPad. And um, so I used to go to the car because the car was the only place to get respite. A, it was warm. B, um, the kitchen was my office. The sitting room was my son's study room. And my daughter was at the conservatory. So the house was very much during the pandemic, uh, a workplace. And mm -hmm. so for respite, I'd take the iPad and I'd say, right, I'm going out to write. And iPad would go up in the dash and you know and it was lovely and warm and peaceful and it worked and I could move the car wherever the sun was so it was ideal. <laughs> the <laughs> so, mobile office so, yeah yeah exactly it, literally yeah so um, Heather was like yeah no problem sure um sure sign up there and so I'd only kind of like rough ideas and notes and like loads of quotes and motivations and things that actually got me through different things you know like you know, what do you do with an elephant with diarrhea? Give it lots of space. So someone was wrecking my head for whatever reason. It might be just all my fault because I wasn't coping with things, but whoever was annoying me, I just stay back from them like you would with elephant mm -hmm. with diarrhea. So I was writing on all those little things that helped me. And then I said, I'd work out later where I was going to drop them in, but the ones that were really, really important. So as I did the course, so I do a month and then whatever she'd tell me on that course, I do in the book. Mm -hmm. So my only challenge was because I started the course in March and I needed the book to be actually out there for the following February. I had only nine months to get it written. Wow. Um, because I had to have it ready for December to go to print. Um, so I had to kind of go three months ahead of the course, if yes. that makes sense. So yeah. I was a nerd. I was a nerd in the group, really, you know. <laughs> And I used to cry and go, I feel like I'm taking over the group. And they'd be like, no, we're, we're loving it. You know, the other the other members, like, it's yeah. all about my book in the end. It was like, they had no book, God love them. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so the, the, the nine months in the way. And I kept I kept the course going, like, well into the March. I finished it, but um, the book was out there. It was selling at that point, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so. And, and did you do, some, like, you knew you had the goal um, for what you needed to raise. So, yeah. I, how did it get printed? Because obviously yeah. with the best mm. will in the world, that costs yeah. money no matter how, how yeah. much somebody wants to contribute to mm. your, your dream mm. of achieving this. So well, how, suppose, what was the process there of getting it actually printed? Yeah, well, I suppose ignorance is bliss. So as I was doing the course, I was learning, okay, this needs to be done. You need a cover. You need um, a graphic designer. So I just started to write a list of all the things I needed and then people that I might know that could do this or not know, but my approach. So I approached um, VHI because I'd done a VHI testimonial ad a few years previous. Mm -hmm. And I asked them, do they know anyone that would design, you know, the, the guys that did the little avatar for the ad, the cartoon. So yeah. maybe they would do the book cover. And 
they that was publicist so VHI went over to them and asked them would they be interested in doing it and they sponsored it actually but it was the first book they ever did because they normally do like digital media for TV so um, they were like oh we'll do it so um, I just told them look I wanted cherry blossoms I wanted butterfly and they designed that so that didn't cost me anything Um, and then to print it the first print was 3,000 euros so I was like "Mm." so I put a GoFundMe up and I just said help me print my book Um, and I downloaded Facebook and I downloaded Instagram for the first time. Um, and I just sat in front of the camera one night and I said, this is what I want to do. Help me. Um, <laughs> and I had seven followers or something at the time. Um, and then I just kept doing that. I Here I am again. Please help me. Um, and then the GoFundMe brought in 3,200 euros. So that was my first print. So I literally was doing it on the seat of my pants. You know, I had yeah. no investment. I had no, I had no backing myself, you know um so yeah so I just uh gave that over then so I knew I had the first print but I was nervous about the first print because I was like Jesus you know if they don't sell um the only thing I'd be in debt for then I suppose is you know but I'd have the print covered but yeah it was just like (laughs) yeah it was a bit bit nerve-wracking but sorry it was definitely a leap and I love that that it was just like that just that pair of asking like who yeah. do I know who I could ask who might be able to ask somebody else um, and yeah. I know like you you had a charity goal and that was probably inspirational to people in, in wanting to help you but I think it works across a lot of different business aspects so the, the one I have in mind here is you knew that you needed to get this book out into the world and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm a big book fan but I'm not sure how books decide to stock books but oh, one yeah. of your huge achievements in it is that you contacted somebody in Duns and managed to have them really support you um every single week for the whole year yeah well I suppose once the book was printed um I put another plea back to social media and I was like hey it's me again um now I need to sell the book and I can't get into bookshops um no bookshop wanted to take a self-published author um that's written a book and wants to give every penny away to charity and that isn't willing to pay them commission for selling it so I mean I was it was a hard sell and they just weren't interested I sent I did try I I wrote to every newspaper I wrote to every broadcasting house I wrote to every um uh, broadcaster every dj I sent out 40 copies to the top 40 bookshops in the country and I just didn't get any replies. My 40 books went. And um, I was just sitting here one night and I thought, okay, I'm just going to have to go back to social media. And I got in my car then another day after doing the plea and I just drove around to all the local shops. And I was like, can you just take six copies? Um, if you don't sell them, I'll take them back. Um, I'll give you a little stand. So I was paying for that stuff myself. I was paying my own diesel. It's the only way I could do it really. You know, I'd have to give away my dream if I didn't do that. So. I think that's where the idea then was born of I'm going to cover my own expenses because I'm not going to get sponsorship for that. And I don't yeah. have time to even look for sponsorship for that. So the priority was to raise the money. And I I suppose that's the the, the path I went down at that point. And then um, one of my friends said to me, why don't you um, why don't you go bigger? Why don't you like write to Duns or, you know, um, I said, oh, sure, look, I'm just going to get lost in the algorithm. They're not even going to see my letter. Um and then I thought, again, you know, the whole hour thing, I kind of ponder for like an hour and I was like, you know, well, then I don't want any regrets because this is in my dad's name and it's too important. And what if, you know, what mm. if it works? That was always there, like burning a hole in my gut, you know. So I took pen to paper. My friend went into Duns and Douglas Key and went into Duns. She was like, hey, um, do you have an email address? This girl is doing this charity. 
she was lucky, I suppose, in many respects that she spoke to a guy who had a connection with cancer and he was like, yeah, I'll look, send it into this email address. Um, yeah, so it was kind of randomly to like the, the switchboard or whatever it does. And um, that was on like a Monday, I think it was. And I was coming down the stairs in school on a Wednesday morning at five to eight. I'll never forget it. And I was on yard duty <laughs> and my phone binged and it was um, Margaret Heffernan email. Like, and I was like, how do I know that name? Because I hadn't addressed it to her. I just said, hey, Johns, you know, yeah. <laughs> anybody out there, you know. <laughs> and uh, But I knew her name from my business background because I, I would have, oh my God, I would have loved her whole way yeah. of doing things, her whole business ethics. Um, she's just a wonderful, wonderful person. And I can now say that from hands-on experience of dealing with her all year, she's been phenomenal. So I read the email and I was like, oh crap. And then I thought, oh, someone's winding me up. I was like, you feckers, what are you doing? Who did this? You know, Because uh, it was like, we want to sell. We were moved by your letter. We were moved by what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I just could not put this down kind of a thing. Um, we'd love to stock it nationwide for you and give you a chance. So I fell down the stairs. The last three <laughs> steps actually fell down the stairs. Oh, no. So um, I ran out to the gate to my principal because on the end of the email, it was like, we'll have a Zoom call at 10 o'clock, like two hours later. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in school. I've got junior <laughs> infants. <laughs> I'll be our junior quarter past 10. So I went out to my principal. and I was like, can I move my like there's no wiggle room in school? Yes, it's wonderful. But you're on that grid all the time. I mean, yeah. you're eating, sleeping, toileting, everything. with me. <laughs> So I was like, can I um, can I just like not be on yard for sus and go out to my car and said, so out to the car office, put up the iPad on the dash screen lit up at all these guys from guns and they were like oh where are you and I was like in the car <laughs> where I wrote the book <laughs> so we, we just hit it off and you know we just had a, a great old laugh about it and they were like yeah so I was sitting in the, like this out you and I I had um, a thousand books at home freaking out I was thinking, oh my god how am I going to like sell these books kind of thing like shops are taking like six and yeah. they were like okay so um yeah should we start so with um should we take a thousand off you? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh uh, sorry, no, uh, my hearing. I said, did, did, you, did you say it? <laughs> so then I'm on the phone to John Waterman up in Carrick Print going, John, we need to print more. I don't have enough. He was like, holy shit. <laughs> so yeah, when it got in then and it was like, yeah, it was like selling slow and steady, but I was thinking, this is just like every other product. What's going to make this different? This is just not a book. This is a fundraiser. Mm. This isn't just a product. And I know people are thinking, oh, sure, she's getting a, a cut out of this. Or I mm. was getting nothing out of this. And I thought, you know, that needs to come across. And who better to put that across only myself? So yeah. I said, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be there with the book? How am I going to, like, I don't have a big social media team behind me. I didn't have, the, no one knew me from Var Soap. Um, yeah, so it was, yes, they had the book in there, but it was just a book up next to the other 200 books they had, you know? Yes. Um, yes, it looked pretty. Um, yeah. And actually um, like it had that, we had the little cardboard stands and at the time I had to pay 3000 euro to put all those stands in the 72 done. So it was real nerve wracking. And later actually when Margaret Herfinan realized that she was like, and did you pay for that? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, Oh, hang on. I'm going to pay for that for you. You know? And she, <laughs> she gave me back that. Th so then I was like, Oh my God, that's another 3000. So I'd better buy more books. So it's just, <laughs> So by not panicking, really, it, it just, it just provided, I think my, my father was all over it. I, I have no doubt about it. But yeah, so I just, I just asked, I said, look, is there any chance, um, you know, I see people book signing in bookshops. Have you ever done that in store? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, if I pop up, I promise I'll be respectful. I promise I won't make all your customers cry. 
I didn't keep that promise because every second goes and everybody crying. I can imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I just had a pop up and I promised it'd be nice. I said, I really love interior design. I, I love clothes. I, I won't make a, a balls of this. Um, I'm just going to pop up and have chats and just sell my book if that's okay. So this look, should we give it a go? And they didn't say no. And I was like, really? And then I was like, oh God, how am I going to get a stand? And I bought a Dunn's tablecloth. I had the banner from the book launch night when I launched the book. And I had a few flowers I tied around the poles in Ballymaloo, Little Rose. So I said, that would be fine. I put a candle down, bought my four letters and deals and stuck them. My husband stuck them on, on a board. So I put them on the table. And then every week I'd go, ah, cheapers, I'll pick that up. Now that'll make my stand look pretty. Because I wasn't going out. I wasn't going on holidays. Like every penny I would spend otherwise was kind of going this way. Or, you know, I might buy a new dress or fill the car with diesel, which was a regular occurrence. I mean, I spent six grand on diesel last year alone. Oh. Um, but two people actually did, in fairness, um, East Cork Oil in Middleton and a lovely woman by the name Mary Baldwin came up to me in the stand one day and they were like, can we pay for one month for you, you know? And um, so that got me over Christmas. You know, I kind of saved that then for the Christmas. I knew giving my own money over Christmas would be harder. So I just planned it yeah. that way and it, it just worked out that way, you know? So I just start popping up and I was like, can I go another week? And they were like, yeah. And I said, is there any chance you could announce me coming to a done so the customers know? So, so they were like who the hell is this one and then within, within weeks I was on weekly zoom calls with like the national buyer then I got the marketing team I was like hey how are you would you be interested in putting on your Instagram and cheapers I was real I, I put on my begging hat and I just said look it's not for me um and that made it easier it wasn't yeah. about me it was never about me um so it made it easier in that respect I was asking on behalf of all these people and the more people I spoke to the more driven I was to keep going with this and to to keep pushing it because I was hearing stories that I had I could never comprehend you know yeah it's absolutely amazing because obviously your book is there to support other people in their personal journeys but your story inspired other people to to want to help you achieve that goal not just by buying a book or or passing on what you were doing but to actually physically tangibly help you achieve that goal so I think it's yeah. like it's a fantastic testament to yeah. everything you built not just self-publishing a book for charity what was, was actually lovely sorry it no. was actually lovely is everyone became shareholders of, of the you know people would say they'd send me a picture going I saw a candle in your stand and Duns or I saw a coat hanger they'd take it out and it's oh your book was moved so we moved the stand in a better position <laughs> for you and like it was just incredible and like people were messaging me saying you know you know I was watching you there now with your I, I always call myself a wonky donkey because I've had so many surgeries and you know I have a lot going on medically behind the scenes and you, know, you can go out and do this and I'm going to try and do something and lots of people now even doing stuff for charity messaging me saying I've done this and people that were afraid to go back to work because it is hard to go back to work after a cancer diagnosis because mm -hmm. you're not the same you don't operate on the same frequency mm -hmm. and just like having those chats and saying to people you know oh just volunteer because then you're not you know I suppose you're not owing a, the employer anything then and that gets your foot in the door and the amount of people that have come back and said I volunteered in the hairdressers or I volunteered such place and now I'm working there and you know so it's it's that women it's like the club it's like women driving women you know and it yeah. wasn't it was, it was the journey it wasn't so much me it was just the whole thing it just became so magical you know it just yeah. became so 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 any negativity I had or any doubts I had or any tiredness because I cried on that steering wheel so many like October was cruel you know I was getting tired at school I was it was hard to give every night over to this to promote it and then try and mm. do accounts and then to try and market and then do interviews to promote it and then rock up and turn up to Carlo at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning or or Dublin or, you know, but when you 
when you get that joy, the minute I opened that stand, all that faded away and I, mm. I forgot about it. And like, I never, thank God, got sick all year. I, I just don't believe it because I'm always like, I always got a cold or a flu because I don't have yeah. a thyroid, you know? It was just, I don't know what it was. It was just, it was just magical, like, you know? Yeah, the, the ripple effects of it have been fantastic. Are you a small business owner looking to increase your online presence? If so, Atlantic Social can help you. They will identify your target audience and put together a strategy to achieve the best possible results. Check out Atlantic Social and get booking your first discovery call. What would you say for you has been like the biggest learning or insight since you started it? And I I don't know how you're going to choose because I could probably mention three or four from what we talked to so far. Yeah, I'd say, you know, nothing will go like you think it will, you know, um, the good and the bad. So like, if you think something will be the problem, that actually might be the success, you know, and something that you think will be the success is can actually be a problem. So, um, yeah, I think just just go with it because it will it won't be the way you map it out. Um, and that's great, actually, because that's where the surprise comes and that's where the creativity comes. And that's where I think the magic happens. Um, I think, you know, if you hear a no, it's just no. Like if you said no to me, that means we're just not going to work together. It doesn't mean no. And I mean, God, I say to the kids in school all the time, look at JK Rowling. I mean, if she put away, not, not I'm not comparing her now in terms of author, <laughs> but I'm comparing her in terms of like, you know, her 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 resilience was inspirational. You know, she just mm. kept putting that, book out there 13 times before mm. I mean if we didn't have um Harry Potter you know it'd be a different world I think so uh, yeah yeah I, yeah I think it's just it's just you know it hard work does pay off and consistency pays off because you know I had to do about 30 weeks before people would start saying oh I see this book or oh you're the girl from hope to hope and that's 30 hard weeks because yeah. it was non-stop for me but consistency does pay off and when you come across that you're, you know, you stick, stay true to yourself, I suppose. And you, like I try to be, you know, me, I don't, I don't alter myself. I, you see the good, the bad and the ugly, and that's just it. And I think that shines true as well. And Mm. just be yourself. I think that's the the biggest Mm. learning and don't ever try and change yourself because I had imposter syndrome when I wrote it. I had imposter syndrome about getting it out there. I had imposter syndrome about standing. It's like some days I would stand for two or three hours and maybe no one would come over to me at the mm. beginning, you know, and that's hard. You're looking at people doing their daily shopping and, you, mm. you know, there's no one with you and you're kind of like trying to look busy. But like, what do you do in a stand? You know, is that like, can't, can't like Hoover or, you know, <laughs> start doing your books or something, you know, so it was really, yeah, it was, it was you're, you're exposed and you're raw and you're vulnerable, you know, so. Yeah. Just, I think if you just keep reminding yourself, like I, I had to write it down. I'd keep writing down why I was doing it just so I go, okay, that's why you're doing it. Or have a photo of my dad. Or yeah. I think a lot of people come back to that. Like when anybody is struggling with any sort of business thing, whether it's like imposter syndrome or they're coming up against something that they're hearing repeatedly, that people always say to come back to the why of, of what you're doing. The, the, the thing that kind of lit that flame in the first place. Because yeah. it can be very easily forgotten when you start getting busy doing the thing um and into all that detail you can forget why you started so I think that that reminder of why you're doing it is is probably a a lot of it I think you have to talk a bit of sense into yourself as well you know I mean we all like throw our toys out every now and again but like a little thing I I do every evening I sit for five minutes and I kind of go right what what took joy from my day you know was Mm -hmm. it going a certain route was it meeting a certain person was it doing a certain thing and then how am I going to take that out of my day or mm. how am I going to cope with that, I suppose. And that's where the 
problem solving came in then and mm -hmm. you know I might leave I might eliminate that temporarily or permanently but it was just running my life like a business as well you know just mm -hmm. that wasn't working for me or you know I didn't do that right this week but next week I'll do something different and you're just tweaking it like every person in business you're just something doesn't work you're not going to try you know you're not going to stop doing what you're doing you're just going to yeah. you know rely on a friend or ring someone up and say look this didn't work what do you think or you know the driving is getting difficult for me what could I do will I get a train every now and again and you're just looking at your problems and trying to see what will help with them you know and at what point did you decide that something like the club was um, going to be of benefit to you? Because I suppose your your whole idea is a charity. And while you had to put on your business cap for it, um, at what stage did you realize that a networking group would be beneficial to you? And, and why did you choose the club? Yeah, I suppose it's um, it's like everything in this book journey kind of came along um, organically for me, which was lovely. And it, I suppose that works for me because I don't like anything forced. Um, I like everyone to live happily ever after, like a Disney princess. So I suppose I was down at the Ballymew Mayfair and um, I put my stand up there and I thought, yeah, it'd be good footfall there. I might make a few contacts. So I actually bumped into Shan and I knew her because I followed her on Instagram and um, she came over and she was like, oh, you know, Shan, hello, my lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's just so warm and she gave me a hug and I love my hugs. I'm yours for a hug, you know, um, and my dad was a great hugger. So I just got that instant good vibe off her. You know, I knew I'd like her, but the minute mm. I hugged her, I knew I'd love her, if you know, that kind of way, or yeah. anything that she was doing. So she just said to me, you know, oh, um, tell me about what you're doing. And we have this club, no pressure, you know. And I like that because it wasn't a hard sell. And I, I was straight up to her. I said, look, um, I'm everything off my own back. So everything I pay for is paid for. You know, I have to justify it to myself, mm -hmm. I suppose, and to my husband and my poor children, you know. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so I kind of, I just, I'm very, I suppose, I'm someone that likes to think about things. I'm not spontaneous, really. Mm -hmm. So I went away and I kind of thought about it. And then I started to look at the club and I started to see the benefits of it. And then I thought, I messaged her and I said, like I did with the publishing, I said, can I just dip my toe and just like, you know, see how I go, no commitments. And to be honest, I'm not a business, so I'm, I might think and feel a lot differently to the women in the club. And mm -hmm. I might feel a bit jealous actually you know that kind of way it's like, oh, oh, you know <laughs> like shrek in the back of the room kind of a thing so um oh the the minute the minute i joined you know it was um it was a no-brainer you know the the connections and just like the support and i just felt because i'm on my own on this technically you know i have lots mm -hmm. of support don't get me wrong but it's a solo project it was lovely then for women to get behind me and i suppose i come from male house with four brothers my dad and then when I was in aircom it was male dominated I was the only female manager so all my life has been very much in that kind of world so it was lovely mm -hmm. to and I don't have any sisters and um, loads of good friends that are like adopted sisters but it was just so different to have people of my own mindset you know that were mm -hmm. running a business and giving me tips and like I could actually message they were also lovely I could message someone and go like like Jana I'd say Jana you're good on how do you do this like, box that you have there? And because I was like, I literally did not know Instagram or Facebook. I mean, everyone knows Facebook, but I wasn't even on that. Um, so yeah, um, it was. It's just lovely to be able to connect and to, I suppose, be on the same page with other women and get the tips, the advice, um, sharing of knowledge. Um, because you might have so many skills yourself, but you won't have all the skills. So mm -hmm. that bank of skills and that bank of of knowledge is is fantastic. And when I was at my lowest, you know, like really hard months, you know, I might put up a story and then I'd see them sharing it on or you go, Catherine, and those messages 
really drove me on within the club and mm. you know, how are you getting on now and people would message me going look I'll throw a few books up in my business or I'll throw them up I'm going to a market I'll bring them with me and just that if they never sold a book it was just the support and knowing yeah. they believed in me made me believe a little bit more as well and gave mm. me a little bit of hope um I suppose they were a shoulder to cry on and a shoulder to lean on which I like and then mm. as the as I got more invested in the club I suppose during the summer holidays when I wasn't like I can't do the nine o'clock um, lives obviously unless you wanted an audience of 26 four-year-olds <laughs> uh, so like I, I'd be like oh that was lovely but I can always play stuff back and listen to it after which was great um, and I like that because it's not just like you're there or you're not there you know yes um, you know that you could play it back and get those resources or something that might be relevant at the time might be relevant down the line um, and you can just even if you don't remember you weren't on that live or on that meeting or at that event you can ask someone was there something covered in this and then go back to it because it's a it's a bank of information yeah. and then I love the dives you know I love the chats and the problem solving you know I absolutely love them I, you know I really do and I learn a lot myself in them and I, something comes alive in me I love that uh, yeah that problem solving I suppose yeah I think the deep dives as well for me are one of the best things because like you you go to them to support the people, mm. not knowing whether you'd actually be able to contribute anything to their specific dilemma. But then you mm. come away realizing that even though their business might be completely different, there's mm. some sort of takeaway for you uh, mm. in some aspect. And I like it's the, nice to know you're not the it's nice that you're not the only one with a dilemma as well. You know, when you're looking at it's like <laughs> yeah. that, you know, when a child cries at mass or oh, you're like, oh thank God my fellow wasn't the first one to cry. You know, that <laughs> yeah. it was like that. It was like, oh thank God I'm not the only one. And you realize yeah. even sometimes that I have a similar problem or God, that might help me. Or you remember back going, oh, that girl there, it was something mm-hmm. about that a few weeks ago. That's me now. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I love that about it. You know? Yeah. Okay. And I think there's a lot to be said because you, you like, you know, you obviously have a huge amount of support from family and friends, but it is different when you've got people mm. who, because very like the majority of women in the club are like that solopreneurs, mm. they're on their own. So it's trying to mm. find people who will, you know understand and get your specific problem like family and friends Mm. can you know support you to a certain extent but you do need Mm. people who kind of like you said be in that same mindset who can actually understand the the kind of the specific concern you have and where it comes Mm. from and I think as well you know from the outside looking in people think oh yeah that's the shop and the shop window is there and you show up to the shop and that's it but there's so much behind the scenes that only mm. other people in business see that because for me, it was showing up in the lovely dress on a Saturday in Duns, but my God, to get to those Duns yes. on a Saturday after a week of work and to have the promotion done for it and have the, the planning done that I could actually be in there. I wasn't clashing with something else and, you know, that I was in the right Duns at the right time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I wasn't stuck in the middle of a Duns where there was a big festival going on two miles down the road. You know, yeah. it was just a lot of planning and, yeah getting it out there so there's all that behind the scenes that only people in business will and I think women in business as well because women in business are different than men in business I mean no periods no menopause no pregnancy (laughs) yeah (laughs) and they're just the big things like you know there's there's everything else as well I I think um I can't let us talking about the club pass without mentioning that at the awards in November your all your hard work and your contribution to the club and sharing your story of people resulted in you winning the positive impact award um back in November how did that feel that's when the penny dropped Trina I can tell you the penny <laughs> dropped hard that night I, I wandered in there and I remember like I went to my own actually because um I suppose when you're asking for help all the time and 
I'm very headstrong and I'm very independent and I absolutely hate putting people out. So if I can do something myself, I'm 100% on it. And I do agree strongly with asking for help. And by God, I've asked for more help in the last year than I have in my whole 48 years of life. Mm. Um, but that night I went to my own, I was sitting, I was actually eating away and I, I was I was sitting next to um, Deep uh, Academy. Deep, I can't, Vida Academy, Academy, you were sitting beside Judy. Jen, Jen Judy, Judy, yeah. And I was eating away and, and they were talking away and of course the hearing was kind of going in and out and um, next minute Judy kind of, oh my God, Catherine, you know, they were all like willing me on at the table. And just, I'm walking up like staring around a bit. I couldn't believe it, but oh my God, I just felt so happy and I just felt this might work. This might, And I know that was like end of October, November time. And I was like nine months in at this stage. But mm-hmm. at that point, I kind of thought this might work you know yeah. this this could happen and and even from that I remember people saying you know what what's your goal what are you doing and and Shannon in particular and I was saying oh I'm going to do the cars and give the money and even just I suppose I got more confidence in with chatting to because they kind of knew then I, I don't know what it was it just gave me that extra little bit of it removed mm-hmm. my imposter syndrome absolutely but I remember asking and saying you know how will I just get this out there a little bit more to hit this ambitious target? And they were like, just give the cars over in January. If the cars are ready and you have the money for them, give mm-hmm. them. Don't, and, and, you know, I'm not false. I didn't want to wait for the big reveal. And I, I didn't want, like, people would say, oh, yeah, we'll support you when it's done and we'll, we'll blow it up when it's done. And I was like, but I don't want to be an influencer. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be about the money raised. I want to be about what it did and what it achieved. And I didn't want to take away from that because when you're invested in this journey and all the people that have been invested in it, it's it's about them then, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it was just it was just crazy that they said, oh, give the cars when they're ready. And I was kind of, yeah, that's something I would have done if I was thinking right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the car, I said, if the cars come in in January, the cars are going over in January. So that's why it actually ended up splitting. And then I was saying I do the Irish Cancer Society again I love meaning so I was saying they'd probably appreciate it more on their daffodil day and then yeah. I heard about the garden of hope and I was like oh mm. here that's it it has <laughs> to happen in the garden of hope and meant yeah. to be meant to be it's yeah. absolutely fantastic now you have mentioned everything that you do to get to, to get this over the line and it sounds like it has been intense what is it that you do to switch off or look after yourself because like that that business this charity goal doesn't ex- succeed unless you stay running so what is it that you've been doing to look after yourself while you're doing this you know I'm I'm uh, I love all the simple things you know um I adore my two children so just hanging with them it's only lying mm. on the bed with my daughter having a cup of tea nothing really fancy just simple I, I suppose when you've seen deaths and you've mm. faced I suppose life-threatening illnesses and not being able to do things for so long that you really it sounds really cringy but those simple things are the things that bring me the greatest joy because I know how long I, I stayed on a couch or I stayed on a chair and couldn't do them and mm. I respect that so much so go up the fields with the two dogs or throwing myself down the ground with the two lads and watching a movie or you know just going for a hot chocolate and it's the simple things going for a drive with the husband you know just simple nothing major now I do love to tear out a good cupboard and um clean and organize I mean I get great therapy in organizing you know yeah my father used to call it a gale of wind he'd say cat come come in and do a gale of wind so I'd go up home and I'd uh, I'd clean a cupboard or a door or a room you know yeah so I love organizing and I love labeling and yeah I'm very very I think that helped me as well all year I'm extremely organized and 
I think when you're set up and everything is organized, it makes it a lot easier. So mm-hmm. it wasn't as pressurizing in some ways. Like people would say, oh my God, how do you have your clothes ready? And I'm like, well, my clothes are always ready because my clothes go back where they belong, color yeah. coded, and the shoes are color coded. So it's no brainer. And they're looking at me going, he's weird. You know? But it's actually quite simple. If everything has a home and everything's in a home, things run smoothly. And that's just, yeah. If you're not careful, Catherine, that'll be another side job for you there going in and doing that in people's houses. Because I know loads of people would love to just set that up and wouldn't know where to start um, what would be your top tip for somebody starting out in a business is there something now when you look back that you know really stood to you that you think if I just known that at the start it might have made a couple of things easier um I think trust your gut you know I mean your gut won't lead you wrong and if you hear that little voice you know everything else will flow from that you know I, I do think trust your gut because there's times where you know, someone would say no, or that's not possible, or that'll cost this amount. And then I go, hmm, there might be another way. That's that little voice inside. And mm-hmm. I won't say it's something I didn't do, because it's something I did do. I always kind of trusted my gut. Um, I might have come off the rails a little bit and, you know, rang a friend and had a cry and go, oh, I can't do this. And they're like, ah, here now, Kat, come on now, make yourself <laughs> a cup of tea. You, you know, get into that cupboard there and you'll be going, you'll, you'll work it out. And I think that's the big thing is to listen to and stay yourself, like remain true to yourself. I think some people think maybe that they have to change themselves. And I know from talking to people in Duns, oh, I'll have to work harder now or I can't ring in sick because I have the sick card. And yes, I struggled with that myself. But I think when you keep it logical and just talk about a sense into yourself, mm. I think and, and keep your train on the tracks. You know, if you're sick, you're sick, but you're not always going to be sick or you're not always going to you know, not be able to do something. So yeah. just listen to your gut and, and keep going definitely keep going because you know there are times I did want to quit there was probably two times in particular where I was like oh my god I just can't I just cannot mm. do this um but I I, ke- I kept going and I think that's um that's important because I would have I would have it would have been okay to quit as well if it, if it came to like yeah. health or, or or family you know that's fine but I think everyone around me knew how much it meant to me and when mm. I started to tr- like even throw out my toys in the sense of oh my god I don't know can I do this it nearly brought people to their knees because they were like, you can't do, you're thinking of, you know, so I think it's important to listen to your loved ones and listen to the people that bring you joy and they won't guide you wrong. And, you know, involve them in it as well, you know, when you're going into business and tell them how you're feeling, because I think people assume we're all okay unless we actually say, I'm actually not okay today. And that's, that's something I get from the club as well. People are very open to say, no, today is just a write-off. It's just today. You know, there is always tomorrow. And I think that's important for someone going into business, um, you know, to remember that, you know, it is just a little bump in the road and mm. it's a mountain. You're not going to carry the mountain. You just have to climb it, It's it, mm. you know, and, and leave it behind you, you know. Fantastic. I love that. So now that we know that you've achieved your goal, what is next for you and Hope to Cope? Or what is next just for you separate to Hope to Cope? You know, um. I'm not 100% sure because I like to think about everything and mm. I won't say I'm lost at sea. Um, I'm definitely not lost at sea. I'm definitely like talking to friends. I'm talking to families. I have loads of ideas. That's probably the problem. Um, yeah. um, but my my core, I absolutely love chatting. I love like words. I love motivational speaking. I have a few events coming up, like the, not my own events, but just talking at events. And I absolutely love that. And I love the feel good of just connecting with someone and them helping me me helping them mm-hmm. and just that bond and it's just incredible and I 
I'd love to do a lot more with charity. I think my my gut is telling me, you know, more women and children um, mm-hmm. specifically. And I like something that really stood out for me was the women were the women that, that came up to me and told of the loss they had through illness. You know, some of mm-hmm. them lost their homes and I don't want to be negative now because they've all survived it. But mm-hmm. Jesus, it's, it's hard for, for some of the people out there, you know, lost their relationships because their bodies changed or their husbands couldn't cope or their partners couldn't cope with their diagnosis or their loss, the loss of their loved one or the loss of their parent, just lost in themselves. So all that, I just really, really want to do something down the line of that. I, I don't know what yet. And that's honest. Mm-hmm. If I knew I'd be, I'd be shouting it here but something in advocacy around that, some support network maybe, maybe my own charity. I'm researching that at the moment as well um, and keeping Hope to Cope alive that way in terms of my Hope to Cope. Amazing. Um, and then children, because there's lots of teenagers who come up to me in the stand and say, my friend has a symptom, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know uh, and like kids and teenagers, my own, the same age as my own children, they're like, oh, we don't want to upset our parents. So we don't want to upset our friends telling, asking, whatever. You know, and I obviously state I'm not medical, but like, you just check it out, you know, and yeah, I tell yeah. them a little funny story and, you know, they'd message me a couple of days later going, yeah, you're right, it was grand. It's just whatever <laughs> it was, you know. Yeah. Um, so all that is really, it's sitting with me firmly. Yeah. I'd love to help people self-publish, I think, as well. A, a couple of people have approached me about that. Um, but I have applied to job share in September. <laughs> Give yourself more time. <laughs> Give myself more time. So I'm thinking like if I had like two days a week, can you imagine having two what days you, a week? Plus, could you imagine plus what a weekend? <laughs> could you imagine okay. what you could do? I, can you imagine? Yeah. Like all like it all just sounds so amazing. And I think the most exciting part is knowing the goal you set yourself and that you absolutely smashed it. And now you've got all these other ideas. Like it's just opened up so many more avenues. And because you're so successful, like I just can't wait to see what the next year brings and imagine five years like you know you you just you're so determined and in in helping yourself you're helping other people and you're encouraging people to help other people as well and I think it's been absolutely amazing thank you and you know what I've got from this and I think it's it's so important to say when I left my corporate world to retrain as a teacher to be at home at my children for that part of their lives Mm -hmm. and that came from my whole unfinished business of 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 my mom leaving home and you know us not having that mommy figure in in our teenage years I mean yes that was amazing to be able to do that but then I became labeled as you know mom and then I was labeled as the sick one or the Joe's daughter the carer and I'd lost all the skill set that I actually genuinely had through my like I was like oh my god I managed 20 million in in my previous (laughs) life come on like you know I'm not just that's it there's nothing wrong with just being Catherine but I'm like I'm not just this I'm like everyone we're many things and we just don't realize it sometimes, but I can tell you when I did this book journey, like, yes, I gave a lot to it. My God, I gave it everything. I gave it everything. I have no regrets. My heart bursts with pride and I get so upset when I think of all I gave to it um, because I know that's what symbolizes my love for my dad, how hurt and how grief stricken I was, but I was broken when he died I was on my knees and that was new to me because I'm such a positive person and I couldn't let that stay in the eyes of my children I couldn't be that new broken person 
And when I did this, I started to realize, oh, that's a skill I can do, or, or I have, my God, I'm crying. Um, that's that's something that I've achieved. And with every little thing, whether it be, you know, the Women's Network getting that award and my children saying, mom, well done, or mom, someone in school bought your book, or <laughs> someone in school said, wow, your mom is doing great. It wasn't about me. It was them yeah. feeling that pride because they worried, you know, oh, are you going to die like granddad? Is your cancer mm. going to come back? Are you always going to be waiting for that next surgery? Is there all, because there was 10 over 10 years. It's a long mm. time. It was half their lives. Yeah. You know, my son was bo- born into cancer, you know? So it was lovely for them to see that. And that, for me, it's up there on parallel with the people I met, you know, yeah. and, and the generosity I, I saw, you know, just, just incredible. You know, I could never, ever thank the universe for the privilege of doing this journey and I, I can't let it end either you know I, I yeah it's yeah. not gonna end it's gonna uh, up to cope we'll it, live forever I think <laughs> it will there's there's no way you can go anywhere not not with that sort of passion behind it thank you so much for sharing thank your you. story it has been an absolute privilege to speak to you today thank you so much thank you Trina <laughs>